the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is a pre-recorded show. Welcome to this very special edition of the Roger Franklin Williams Show, Memorial Day. I'm an American soldier, an American. my brothers and my sisters, I will proudly take the stand. American soldier. Welcome to the annual Roger Franklin Williams Show Tribute to Memorial Day, presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. It's the annual program where we honor and remember the brave soldiers who gave their lives defending our freedom and security, who gave their lives so that we and I can live lives of peace and comfort. I'm especially happy that you're joining us for this special program. We have an outstanding guest tonight. Before we introduce him, I want to let you know about our sponsors for tonight's program. And they are, of course, our presenting sponsor, Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster and Florida Door Solutions, Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair, Glenn Tatum Septic Service, Sheeler Auto Repair, Network Sound and Video, Highland Funeral Home, and of course, Dr. Patrick St. Germain and BurnFatOrlando.com. I'm honored to be joined by our special guest on tonight's program. He's a U.S. Army combat veteran of Vietnam, where he served with the 17th Armored Cavalry in the 196th Light Infantry Brigade, which is part of the AmeriCal Division. In the spring of 1968, in the Khoi San Valley near Da Nang, While serving in combat operations, he suffered wounds that cost him both legs and his left arm. In 1993, he was named National Disabled Veteran of the Year. He's also a former National Commander of the Disabled Veterans of America and remains active in leadership of his local chapter of the DVA. We're pleased and honored to be joined by a true American Hero, a brave soldier, a great American, and a true American hero, Jim Sersley. Jim, thank you for joining us. Roger, it's great to be here, and thank you so much. And uh, let me just say this. It's an honor to participate every year from time to time when you do this. uh, Every year for Memorial Day, uh, we really appreciate you doing that. And uh, let me uh, say to you, thank you for, for all that you gave, and you gave more than most so that I have had the opportunity to live a life of comfort and ease and freedom. And and that's a debt that can never be repaid, but at least I can say thank you here publicly. Now, Jim, I'd like to start if we can, and I'd like to take a step back to May 1966, and that was a year that you graduated from high school in, in Rochester, Minnesota, it was also a time when the war in Vietnam was escalating rapidly. Can you take us back to May 1966, you graduating from high school, and the circumstances that ultimately led to you enlisting um, in the United States Army before the end was, the year was over? Yeah, I mean, that was certainly an interesting time in, in America, an interesting time for me as well, too. You know, all during my senior year in high school, a lot of fellow classmates and friends talked about as soon as we got out of high school, they were going to join the military. A lot of talk was about joining the Marine Corps, joining the Army. Let's go in on the buddy system. Let's, you know, let's do that. And I'm sure a lot of that was out of, you know, just enthusiasm probably for wanting to be in the military and to all the information we were seeing on television and in the news about Vietnam. I will tell you this, though, and be completely honest with you. I rejected 
all of those thoughts or those questions about whether or not I wanted to join or would I join or would I go on the, you know, the buddy system. I didn't want to have anything to do with any of that. I had a car, a job, and a girlfriend. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's quite the trifecta so, for a 17-year-old uh, young man. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. So I, I, I resisted all of that. I continued to work. We got through the summer. We got into September. And you know what happened in Rochester, Minnesota, was not only did all the people leave that talked about joining the military, but those that were going on to college were gone late August, early September. And in Rochester, Minnesota, if you wanted really good employment, you went up to Minneapolis and St. Paul to go to work, because that's where all the industry was in that part of Minnesota. So I actually kind of looked around a couple of different times and said, where in the world did everybody go? There isn't anybody left in town. And so one day I was driving by the post office where all the military recruiting offices were, and there was a sign that had Uncle Sam wearing one of those big red, white, and blue top hats, and his finger was pointed right straight at my car, and it said, Uncle Sam meets you. So I drove around the block and pulled into the parking lot, went in and talked to the Army recruiter just to kind of get a feel for what was going on, what kind of options you might possibly have. Probably spent an hour with him, and, and that was it. Left, went home and told my parents I'd been down to talk to the recruiter, and, you know, not really too serious of a reaction for them. I told them, I'm not, I'm not real serious about this, but I just wanted to stop in and see what my options might be. And of course, my mom, probably her response was a little more surprising than my dad's. My dad was uh, um, in the Army Air Corps during World War II, but my mom's reaction kind of was, you know, you were watching Walter Cronkite on the 6 o'clock news, and people were dying, so she probably wasn't real interested in having her son join the military at that particular point in time. And, and now I'd like to pick it up there. And, guy, friends, you're listening to the Roger Frank and William Show Tribute to Memorial Day, the annual program where we honor those who died defending our peace and security. Right now we're speaking with Jim Sersley. He's a combat veteran of Vietnam. And, Jim, why don't we um, now... Event you wound up, you did join, and in your early days, you um, were your one of your assignments included being a, a large vehicle mechanic, uh, and you were stationed in uh, at a time in, in Augsburg, Germany, in your early days after enlisting. Can you just tell us a bit about that experience and um, and how that ev- how that uh, came about? Yeah, you know, I did. Uh, my enlistment was actually December tenth, nineteen sixty six, and. By the time you do basic training and some advanced individual training, I actually had two schools. And so now we're around the kind of like the middle of 1967. And my first assignment was to be deployed to the 24th Infantry Division in Augsburg, Germany, as a track vehicle mechanic. And, and I mean, I, that was exciting. It was great to go to Europe. It was great to, to, you know, to work with the 24th Infantry Division for the time that I was there. But the longer that I spent there, the more I just kind of felt like I was still in a civilian job that I just wore like a green uniform to work. I guess I didn't really feel like I was making the contribution that I thought I'd be making as a as an enlisted soldier in the United States Army. And and believe me, Roger, it wasn't wasn't that I was looking for the to become a John Wayne figure or anything like that. I, I didn't want to rush into combat and make the world safer democracy. I just felt like I wanted to make a greater contribution personally, and I wasn't accomplishing that in Germany. We're speaking with Jim Sersley, decorated Vietnam combat veteran, where he suffered wounds that cost him both legs and his left arm. Before we go back to Jim Sersley, I want to 
of course, let you know that Florida Door Solutions supports our veterans past and present. And on this Memorial Day weekend, Florida Door Solutions honors those who died in uniform defending America's freedom and security. And now, Jim, if you could share with us a little bit about it. So you actually volunteered, asked to be transferred to Vietnam. And you ultimately, you know, and you, you were sent over to serve with the 17th Armored Cavalry, which is part of the 196th Light Infantry, which is part of the America, Miracal Division. And you wound up, you were about 17 kilometers southwest of Da Nang in the Quezon Valley, which was a really hot spot at that time. Can you share a little bit about your first conversation with your first sergeant when you reported to duty in Vietnam coming from Ger- um, Germany and also coming over there as a as a basically a, a heavy uh, uh, vehicle mechanic? Yeah, and you know that's good. When, when I reported to uh, the first sergeant, I'd been in the military for a while, so it wasn't unusual for me to just have a you know, I wasn't intimidated by the first sergeant, if that's a good way to put it. So when I reported, I said, look, Tom, you know, gave him my name, told him what my job was. They said, if you'll you know, point me in the direction of the motor pool, I'll go report to the motor sergeant. We'll get started. And, you know, that's who I am and what I'm here to do. And he kind of looked at me and he said, well, son, he said, we don't really have a motor pool here in Vietnam. But he said, you'll be a machine gunner on an armored personnel carrier, and we're going to get you a toolbox. So if anything goes wrong with those vehicles while you're out there, you go ahead and fix them. So needless to a surprise to me. Yeah, I guess that was quite quite a transition to go from a heavy vehicle um, mechanic in Germany over to Vietnam and wind up with a, a machine gun in, in, in your hands, certainly. Uh, and thanks for sharing that, that real-world account of, of the United States uh, Army. And Jim, we're going to come up on our, our first break. When we come back, we'll continue, and, for, and guys, we'll continue to speak with Vietnam combat veteran Jim Sersley on today's Roger Frank and William Show tribute to Memorial Day. Before we go to break, of course, I want to let you know that Glenn Tatum Septic Service supports our veterans past and present and honors the memory of those who died in uniform defending America's freedom and security. I also want to let you know that Glenn Tatum Septic Service is an officially designated essential business, and they are still hard at work serving their customers during these difficult times. You can find out, you can find them at glentatumseptic.com. That's glentatumseptic.com. And I also want to let you know that the guys over at Sheeler Auto Repair support those, honor those who gave their lives in service to our country, and also let you know that if you're looking for an auto repair shop you can trust, I urge you to get over to see Demetrius and Odysseus Virgos at Sheeler Auto Repair. You can find them at 1908 South Orange Blossom Trail, Apopka. We'll be right back on the Roger Franken Williams Show with Vietnam combat veteran Jim Sersley. Please stay with us. If you ever think of me, think of all your liberties and recall. Men who fight by night and day, courage take. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show tribute to Memorial Day. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. It's great to be with you as we honor those who died, gave their lives defending our freedom and security over this as we do that over this Memorial Day weekend. We're pleased to be joined by a true American hero, a brave soldier, and a great American. Jim Sersley is joining us. He's a former national commander of the Disabled Veterans of America. He remains active in leadership of his local chapter of the DVA. In 1993, he was named National Disabled Veteran of the Year. In the spring of 1968, in the Quezon Valley near Da Nang, while involved in combat operations, he suffered wounds that included losing both legs 
and his left arm. Pleased to be joined by Jim Sersley today. We'll go back to him in just a moment. Of course, I want to Christner's salutes and honors all who serve or who have served defending America's freedom. Also want to let you know, give you this word from our friends over at Network Sound and Video, Vito and Rhonda Fera. Network Sound and Video honors all who have served defending the United States of America in our armed forces and honors the lives and service of those who gave all defending American freedom and security. You can find them, of course, at NetworkSoundAndVideo.com or just drop by and see them. They'd love to see you. And they're located, of course, at 2520 Ronald Reagan Boulevard, Longwood. Let's go back to Jim Sersley. You know, Jim, it's so it's, it's kind of, it's, it's great to kind of have this conversation with you as we reflect back to the Vietnam era, 1966, 67. We're up to 1968. You're graduating from high school, uh, making ultimately a decision uh, by the end of the year to enlist in the United States Army, starting out uh, as a heavy vehicle mechanic, essentially being stationed in Germany away from any fighting. You're volunteering to go to Vietnam and where you expected, I guess, to serve as, as a heavy vehicle mechanic continuing. And then, you know, when we went to break, you told us of your first encounter with your first sergeant, and now you're a machine gunner in, in a combat infantry unit. And can you kind of pick it up there? And if you can, if you can, just tell us what it was like. You know, what did you guys do on a daily basis? As I understand correctly, you were in heavy contact on a consistent basis in a very hot area. Uh, near the DMZ, just what was daily life like for you once you 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 got with your that unit over in Vietnam? I mean, every every day, and we were out. I guess probably for twenty seven or twenty eight days out of every month, out into our area of operation where we stayed out there overnight and everything as well. And so we would follow coordinates on the map through our area of operation to check villages, um, check flow of personnel, uh, if, if any, moving through the area. And obviously one of the advantages we had was the tremendous speed that we could move with with the armored personnel carriers. So, I mean, we also spent a lot of time helping Marines that maybe were pinned down or under attack, uh, Army infantry that was also in that same situation. So we bring in some heavy power, firepower, uh, suppress a lot of the grounds uh, coming from the NBA or the... the uh, via Kong, and, and just do our best to, to kind of clean up and mop up when other, other units were in trouble. So, I mean, that's pretty much consistently what a day was like on the armored personnel carry. I mean, some days were completely peaceful and quiet, and other days there was a lot more activity than that. So, and of course, you always had to worry about a landmine, things that were buried in roadways at stream crossings that were uh, something that we were very conscious of with the armored personnel carriers. And now can you share with us, in terms of morale and sense of purpose, what was the experience of, of your unit like? I mean, you know, and we're talking about, I think, 30, 35% of the people that were in the military at that time, especially combat soldiers, were, were drafted. And I know there was always a lot of, a lot of questions as to whether or not people thought they were uh, good soldiers or, or whether their heart and soul was into it. And everybody that I served with, whether they were drafted or enlisted, were incredible, patriotic Americans. And, you know, I think they probably already accepted the fact that they were going to be there. They were going to do the best possible job they could while they were in the service and then go back home with the rest of their life after that. So, uh, I mean, it was an incredible bunch of people that I served with the whole ten and a half months I was in Vietnam. Good soldiers. Now, as you were serving near Da Nang in the Quezon Valley with the 17th Armored Cavalry, part of the AmeriCal Division, you had, you con- continued to receive consistent promotions, and you were serving as a staff sergeant, if I understand correctly, with your Armored Cavalry unit. At that point, you were severely wounded uh, can you can you tell us about the circumstances of of how you were wounded? You know, when you think a spot to what we call logger up for the night, it's kind of like the old cowboy movies. You would circle up all your armored personnel carriers, just like a like the wagon trains did back in the old west. 
you know, you'd put a command post in the center and, and have perimeter defense. So we had actually selected a site for the night, set up the, the wagon train type of circle, and put up our command track in the middle. And one of the things that I always took to be my personal responsibility was checking our perimeter before it got dark to make sure that everybody in the platoons that put out claymores, that they had their night vision equipment on the track and ready for, you know, for darkness. So I was doing that, and that's when I stepped on the landmine, which there was one very somewhere just always outside of our perimeter while I was out doing, looking for perimeter defense. And can you talk about, I mean, obviously you were, uh, your, your wounds were so severe that you were, were near death. Can you talk about just how you were able to survive? Well, and it's kind of interesting how that works. There's a lot of different types of landmines that are buried, and most of that stuff is ordnance that the Americans have left behind for an unexploded 155 round or whatever, whatever it might be that the enemy could utilize against you. And my particular one that I stepped on was estimated to be about 20 or 25 pounds of just high-explosive black powder in a plastic bag. So when it blew, it blew in a gigantic ball of flame. So the impact is what dramatically amputated both of my legs and my arm. But that ball of flame that came off of it also cauterized my arteries and kept me from bleeding to death. It allowed the medics to work on me, stabilize me, without actually having to put a tourniquet on anything so that I could survive the helicopter ride to the 95th back Hospital in Denae. So, I mean, kind of like a miracle occurred at the same time the blast went off and took my limbs. We're speaking with Vietnam combat veteran Jim Sersley. He's uh, suffered severe wounds in the Khoi San Valley in the spring of 1968 near Da Nang, which included the loss of both legs and his left arm, as he's just shared with us. Before we go back to Jim Sersley, I want to give you this word from Highland Funeral Home and let you know that Highland Funeral Home honors the brave soldiers who gave their lives in service to our country and for all who serve or who have served in the United States military. Highland Funeral Home takes great pride in the options they offer the families of our veterans. To find out more, you can find out more at highlandfh.com. That's highlandfh.com. And Jim, can you, obviously you had a very long recovery process that included 12 major surgeries. Can you talk, share a little bit about where that began? Well, when I when I left the field that evening on January 11, 1969, I was on a dust-off helicopter that went to the 9050 back hospital in Da Nang. And basically everything that was done there in about a two-and-a-half-day period of time was just a stabilization and a debridement in order to put me on the, on the plane and fly me to the 106 General Hospital in Yokohama, Japan. And that's where the 12 major surgeries were done was at in Yokohama. And, and I think what really happened with that was when they got me there and they got started with any of the surgeries, I think they just kind of came to the conclusion, why don't we just do everything right here before we try to put him on a plane and send him back across the Pacific, back to the United States? And I think it was probably a very wise decision on their part. So then when I got to Fitzsimmons in Aurora, Colorado, um, late February of 1969, basically all I had to do was start to regain strength start to do physical therapy, occupational therapy, and I only had one more surgery when I was there, which was a very minor one. So the rest was pretty much in just rehabilitation process, acclimating to the wheelchair, doing physical and occupational therapy. And I did that until late November of 69 when I finally went home to Rochester, Minnesota. We're speaking with Jim Sersley, former National Disabled Veteran of the Year, former National Commander of the Disabled Veterans of America, about his service in Vietnam. We'll go to take a quick break in a moment. We'll come back with 
Jim Sersley on today's Roger Franklin Williams Show tribute to Memorial Day presented by Christner's by just giving them a call at 407-645-4443. And I want to let you know that a Popka mower and equipment repair honors those who gave all defending America's freedom on this Memorial Day weekend. To find out more about Apopka's one-stop center for all your lawn and garden needs, visit apopkamower.com. That's apopkamower.com, and they're located at 2975 West Orange Blossom Trail. That's Highway 441 north of Apopka between Plymouth and Renault Road and the 429. Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. It's where they sell the best and they fix the rest. And before we go to break, of course, I want to remind you that Florida Door Solutions supports our veterans, past and present. And on this Memorial Day weekend, Florida Door Solutions honors those who died in uniform defending America's freedom and security. You can find out more at Florida's best garage door company by visiting FLADoor.com. We'll be right back. Where my mom always prayed that it would go. If you're reading this, I'm already home. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, tribute to Memorial Day. It's great to have you joining us this morning. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you as we pay tribute, as we honor those who died protecting our freedom and security, wearing the uniform of the United States military. We are pleased to be and honored to be joined on today's program by a brave soldier, a great American and a true American hero, Jim Sersley, former Vietnam combat infantry combat veteran. He was 1993. He was named National Disabled Veteran of the Year. He served beginning in the spring of 1968. He served in the Quay San Valley near Da Nang. When, while involved in combat operations, he suffered wounds that cost him both legs and his left arm. We'll go back to Jim Sersley in just a moment. Before we do, of course, I want to let you know that our friends over at Network Sound and Video, Vito and Rhonda Fiera, honor all who have served defending the United States of America in our armed forces, and they honor the lives and service of those who gave all defending American freedom and security. You can find them at NetworkSoundAndVideo.com. That's NetworkSoundAndVideo.com. And, of course, I want to let you know that Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic and BurnFatOrlando.com honor those who died in service to America this Memorial Day weekend, and they support all the programs you hear on the new AM950, FM94.9, The Answer, and our messages of patriotism and freedom. Find out more at burnfatorlando.com. Let's go back to Jim Sersley. And Jim, you know, I was just thinking and listening as and hearing your story in just a short time that we've been talking here uh, today. You have gone, you've taken us in your life from a 17-year-old young man, just graduated from high school. You you had a car, you had a good job, you had a girlfriend. I guess you were living the life of a 17-year-old. By 1969, you had entered you know, the United States Army. You'd served in combat um, and saw you know, heavy fighting in Vietnam. And now you're lying in a military hospital uh, you know, with the loss of two legs and an arm. Uh, just less than three short years later. Can you tell us about, obviously, the incredible transition of that process and how, how you begin to adapt to your new life? Well, it, it is an incredible adjustment, to say the least. Um, you know, when, one day, like you mentioned, you're up walking around and, and you're a red-blooded American young man, and the next thing you know, you're laying in the hospital bed trying to figure out what's going to happen next. But I, I think two things. One, to be in a military hospital with other people who were in similar condition to mine, 
was a tremendous advantage to being able to watch them and try to emulate those who'd maybe been injured six months or a year before you had, what was a great inspiration to be able to watch that happen. Uh, obviously, the staff, the doctors and nurses and therapists were incredibly adept at being able to handle the injuries that were coming back from Vietnam at the time. So, I mean, you, thought, you, you could feel like you were certainly in the best quality care you could have ever imagined. And now you just have to kind of figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life and how you're going to do that with the use of a wheelchair or prosthetic equipment or limbs. And, and that certainly doesn't happen overnight, but you kind of make the decision to move forward and take a positive road. And again, it certainly does take some time to adjust to that. that you don't wake up one morning and go, I'm going to be okay. It takes a little bit of talking to yourself and working your way through that to finally get to the point where I'm happy I'm alive, I want to move forward with my life, and I'm going to do the best I possibly can, regardless of what my physical condition or appearance is. And Jim, can you talk about how you how you personally feel you navigated that? Um, because I know you know people that suffer the, the magnitude of your injuries and even much lesser injuries um, oftentimes are, are resentful, become bitter, and never can move past that bitterness and resentment. Can you how how were you able to do it, and how long did it take? Were you did you ever spend a time when you were bitter and resentful? I mean, I think very early on, what you truly question is why me? How how did I get selected to be this person out of thousands or whatever that lost two legs and an arm? And you you know you kind of wonder you question. Was I not a good person? Did it happen to me because I deserved that it happened to me? You know, you, you work your way through that, but you kind of come to the resolve that that isn't it at all. You just happen to be in that place and that time when that kind of an explosion went off. Could have very well been anybody else in my unit as well, but it was me. So you, you do, you go through that period of, do I want to give up? Do I want to throw in the towel? Am I ready to quit at 21 years of age? And I just never could get there with that. I never wanted that to be who I was or what I was. So, but it, it, it all happens in very small increments. You build on one little step at a time to get you to that final resolve of being positive and you're okay with what you are, who you are, and what your physical appearance is going to be for the rest of your life. We're speaking with Jim Sersley, 1993 National Disabled Veteran of the Year, former Vietnam combat veteran, suffered wounds that cost him both legs and his left arm during his service in Vietnam. Jim, can you talk about now, and obviously you navigated... You, 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 your, your injuries, you recovered physically from your injuries, you recovered physically with a positive mental attitude uh, and optimistic spirit, obviously. But now the next transition, um, and I'm sure this took over a year or longer, but now you're, you've, got, you've got to go back to civilian life, and which is a whole other mountain to climb. Can you talk about that process and how you entered back into civilian life? And I think that's actually more scary than it was to realize you were laying in the hospital bed missing two legs and an arm. Because when you're in the hospital, I'm not going to say that everybody has the same injury you do, but everybody is running around with very similar injuries. So there's a comradeship and a brother brotherhood that you have in the hospital. But when you leave and go home, I can assure you that I was the only person out on the street in the community in Rochester, Minnesota, that was out doing things from a wheelchair every single day of my life. And again, that was back in the late 1960s. It was before the Americas with Disability Act. There were not wheelchair accessible bathrooms in buildings or restaurants. 
There were not curb cuts on the streets in any town in America. And certainly architecturally, things were not very workable to being able to get around in a wheelchair. So tremendous adjustment and a tremendous amount of willingness or desire to want to continue on in spite of those difficult architectural barriers that you face. But the community was helpful. My family, my parents, my brothers and sisters were helpful. And I was blessed enough to find a young lady that I loved and who fell in love with me and we got married. And and that certainly made life far much better than it was prior to the relationship and getting married. And now, now obviously, you made a phenomenal mental and emotional recovery in addition to your your physical recovery after suffering the loss of three limbs, both legs and your and your left arm. Obviously, also many Vietnam veterans who suffered similar injuries and injuries that were much less severe than you did didn't adjust well when they came back. Can you speak to that? And do you have some some reasons why you think so many guys? You know, just never made the, the transition back to productive citizens. Well, and actually, my roommate was a young fellow by the name of Frank Berg, was from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Frank certainly falls into that category. He was also a triple amputee, almost an identical medical amputations to me, and Frank killed himself uh, when he was 47 years old. And And I think part of that is You know, you have to go out and stay engaged and get involved in something. And one of the things that was certainly salvation and a positive direction for me was an organization called the Disabled American Veterans. And the whole premise of the DAV is dealing with disabled veterans in their disability in many different shapes and forms. But what it did was it allowed you to continue that same comradeship and brotherhood that you had in the military, you did as disabled veterans moving forward with your life. And so I give them a tremendous amount of credit back then, not only then, but to this day where I still stay involved. And I'm sure those that struggled did not reach out and try to be part of a veteran service organization like the DAD, and because of that, you didn't have a support group that you could reach out and ask for help at times when you needed it. Thank you for sharing these great firsthand insights about the the challenges and the op- tremendous obstacles for all veterans, especially disabled veterans, in their transition back to civilian life. And Friends, we're speaking with Jim Sersley right now. He's a former national commander of the Disabled Veterans of America. He remains active in the leadership of his local chapter of the DVA. And he's also a Vietnam combat veteran where he suffered wounds that cost him both legs and his left arm during his service in Vietnam. We're going to continue with Jim Sersley when we come back from our break. Before we go to that break, I want to let you know that Glenn Tatum Septic Service supports our veterans past and present, and they honor the memory of those who died in uniform defending America's freedom and security. You can find them at glentatumseptic.com. That's glentatumseptic.com, and they are also offering 24-hour emergency service. And on this Memorial Day weekend and every day, Sheila Auto Repair honors those who gave their lives in service to our country. If you're looking for an auto repair shop you can trust, get over and see Demetrius and Odysseus Virgos at Sheeler Auto Repair. We'll be right back on our tribute to Memorial Day with American hero Jim Sersley. Please stay with us. If you ever think of me, think of all your liberties and recall. This is a special edition of the Roger Franklin Williams Show.
Welcome back to the annual Roger Franklin Williams Show, Tribute to Memorial Day. It's a program every year where we pay tribute to and we attempt to honor those who died defending our freedom and security, defending the liberty and the freedom of the United States of America. We're pleased to be joined by Jim Sersley, combat veteran from Vietnam, Suffered the loss, suffered wounds that cost him both legs and his left arm during that service. He's a former national commander of the Disabled Veterans of America. Remains active in leadership of his local chapter of the DVA. We'll go back to Jim Sersley in just a moment. Before we do, I want to let you know of all the sponsors that are making this program possible today. And I want to let you know, and I'm sure I don't need to tell you because I'm sure you already know it. But each one of these sponsors, these people that are supporting our program, supporting a program that that honors American soldiers and those who died and honors those who served today and have served, um, each one of these sponsors support our American veterans. They support the United States Constitution. They honor our flag and our national anthem. But, of course, you already know that, but it doesn't help to... Uh, to share that with you again, and they are Christner's Prime and Steak and Lobster, and I'm Florida Door Solutions, Highland Funeral Home, Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair, Glenn Tatum Septic, Sheila Auto Repair, Network Sound and Video, and Dr. Patrick St. Germain, St. Germain Chiropractic, and BurnFatOrlando.com. We thank them for their support of today's program. Now let's go back to American hero, Jim Sersley. And Jim, now I'd like to ask you some questions um, about the Vietnam experience in general, because Vietnam is certainly a an era of American history that fascinates me to this day. I think about it often, actually. You know, I was just a little bit behind you, um, maybe about 10 years or so, but, you know, just to you know, give some reference... In 1965, I was in third grade, the fall of 65, spring of 66. Uh, my uncle, uh, Roy Smith, of the United States Navy, United States Naval officer, was sent to Vietnam um, as part of the whole massive buildup you know, in 65, early 66, uh, and living in Saigon, serving in Saigon. So you know, obviously my mother was very concerned about that. My grandmother was very concerned about that. And at that early age, I began to really pay a lot of attention to um, what was happening in Vietnam. And of course, as you know, shortly after that, as you've mentioned, um, the nightly news was pretty much filled virtually every night for years during my formative years, uh, playing Little League Baseball, you know, elementary school, junior high school, um, watching, uh, you know, little combat footage on the news every night. So, you know, and, and obviously aware of the turmoil that resulted from uh, aspects of that, the the riots on the campuses, the protest movement, the counterculture, all those kinds of things. And then, of course, later, the, the difficulty, as we've talked about, that so many guys had making the transition back to productive citizens. So I'd just like to ask you some questions. And, and I think that as I talk to veterans, you know, I get opinions from across the spectrum, uh, literally 180 degrees from you guys that are proud to have served and feel we did a, you know, it was a noble cause and certainly um, a, a cause that, 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 that needed to be uh, undertaken to those that are, are bitter and those that feel we shouldn't have been there and, um, and, and, and everything in between. So I'd just like to ask you, what, do you have any regrets about enlisting and, and volunteering to go to Vietnam? No, I certainly don't. I'd leave again in the morning if I was called to go. Very interesting. Now, can you talk about, and then I'd like to maybe take that a step further, and this is a debate I kind of have with myself all the time, because, you know, obviously the losses of of, of treasure, and you certainly don't need to be told about losses, you've lost more than most uh, veterans, more than most combat veterans, but the toll that was taken in terms of over 58,000 men uh, died, um, 
the the toll that was taken for the the men that suffered severe wounds like you, the ones that were broken uh, mentally and emotionally. Um, do do you think it was was worth it? I mean, what what are your feelings? Do you think it was? Do you think that we what we achieved there was ultimately productive and beneficial for America? Should we have been there, you know, fighting that battle, or do you think it it, it wasn't worth it? Well, I think when you look at it in hindsight, and it being over 50 years ago um, when the Vietnam War was on, it's probably pretty easy to look back and say we really didn't accomplish much of anything while we were there. Um, and, and I think that's, unfortunately, that's the politics of the war. And my, my personal feeling has always been what you had to do, you had to separate the war from the warrior. You know, to me, I, it was an occupation. It was a job. It was a responsibility that I had as a member of the United States Army. Now, whether or not what was going on in Washington, D.C., or between the government in Saigon and our government in Washington, D.C., was justifiable, that was all correct and going in the right direction, it's difficult to be a soldier and try to make that kind of a determination while you're on the ground. Again, like I said, we're 50 years down the road from that, and it's pretty easy to look back now and say, we really didn't accomplish a full lot while we were there. But I still say, those that served honorably and patriotically, and as you mentioned, over 58,000 that gave their lives, I don't think those lives were lost in vain. I think those lives were lost for a justifiable cause that didn't turn out correctly in the end. Thank you for sharing your insights. And I'll, you know, was it, I'll just share very briefly the way I see it right now. And I've, I can kind of continue to go back and forth over this over the years. And I would say this, my perspective is a, an optimistic one, if you will, uh, take into account all that was lost, um, 58, over 58,000 men and, uh, you know, many of, you know, who came home broken physically and mentally, um, and emotionally. In the in the overall big scheme of things, I think the reason we were there, from what I've learned from history, is essentially from a broad brush to to you know stop the advance of, of global communism, which I think is a certainly an admirable, worthy goal. Um, obviously, I mean the more you study it, and it sounds like you were with a good unit and good leadership and all those things. Um, you know, from what I understand, many you know <laughs> that wasn't the experience of a lot of people who served or at least a significant number of people who served. Uh, there were problems with the leadership in Vietnam, starting uh, oftentimes with the president and you know, defense secretary on down. But um, but when you look at the ultimately what happened uh, after we left there, you know, unceremoniously, uh, humili- humiliatingly, um, within a few short years, you know, the Soviet Union fell. We had pretty, pretty much the collapse of, of, of uh, certainly uh, communism that dominated Eastern Europe, um, so uh, under the leadership of President Ronald Reagan and others, but I so I would say I see it as kind of an ugly win, if you will, if you look at the the entire spectrum from the 1950s when it started talking about going there to ultimately um, the 1990 when the Soviet Union crumbled. So anyway, that, that that's my my take on it, and you know I would certainly uh, admittedly say that's a, a kind of an optimistic uh, you know, spin on it, if you will. But um. Uh- I do agree with you. I see that that same way. I think that there were some positive things that came out of it, even though we didn't literally win the war in Vietnam. I think there was improvement in the world as a result of it. Now, can you talk about now? I just, I mean, I have to have you back again soon because there's so many other things I'd like to talk about. But uh, for right now, I would like to shift rather dramatically up to today and the work that you do with your fellow disabled veterans and wounded soldiers who are coming home from our more recent uh, wars and military conflicts. Can you just talk about the work you do today and the impact that that's having? Well, you know, the Disabled American Veterans as an organization provides service to over 1 million veterans every single year, whether it be in claims representation, which is a daunting experience to deal with the VA uh, benefits or VA medical centers in general. And then for me personally to stay involved on the local level and even to to continue to do some things with our national organization, 
I enjoy tremendously and have for a number of years them giving me the opportunity to visit Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington, D.C., Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, Texas, and and the naval uh, bases out in California where the Marines do their rehab, those young men and women coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan. I think my willingness and ability to be able to do that has helped them along in their recovery, and it certainly has given credence to what I do and has encouraged me to continue to do that for the rest of my life. It never gets old to reach out and help a fellow veteran. And we have time for one last question, and I'll just uh, I'll pick it right up from where you left off there. As you work with the severely wounded veterans who are returning, what, what advice do you have for those? Well, I think a lot of it is just inspirational. Like, like when you're there and you can see them face-to-face, and they can see that you're someone that's spent a, over 50 years in a wheelchair missing two legs and an arm, just that visual has to be inspiring by itself. But I, I, what I share with them is, look, there's a life out there after your accident. There's a, a woman that will fall in love with you. You can still have a family. You can be part of what we do in America, and life can be fantastic from that day forward. Please don't give up, and if there's ever anything I can help you with, I'm as close as a telephone call away. Thank you for being here to join us on this program today, Jim Sersley. And thank you personally once again for what all that you gave so that I've had a chance to live a life that's been so easy and comfortable. Thank you, Jim Sersley. Roger, thank you. We appreciate you doing this every single year and bringing focus to Memorial Day for all of our citizens. Appreciate that very much. And as we close, I want to acknowledge our sponsors. Christner's Pime Steak and Lobster, Florida Door Solutions, Highland Funeral Home, Apopka Morn Equipment Repair, Glenn Tatum Septic Service, Sheeler Auto Repair, Network Sounded Video, and of course, Dr. Patrick St. Germain, BurnFatOrlando.com. And as we close, I want to thank you for joining us on our tribute to Memorial Day. I want to thank American hero Jim Sersley. And in closing, I ask myself, what can I do to properly thank those brave soldiers who died defending the freedom and security of the United States of America. What can I do to repay that debt of gratitude? The answer is obviously nothing. Nothing we could do could ever be good enough. The best thing we can do is to strive to be the kind of American that is worth dying for. Thank you for joining us. Have a great night. There ain't no doubt I love this land